Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We've been speaking a series called Fitly Joined. comes out of Ephesians 4 verse 16. I'm not going to read that to you today. We spoke about what it is that God has done and He's placed us in the right place. But I know that for many people, they don't always feel like it's the right place. You get into difficulty or into a place of pressure and we start asking ourselves the question again, am I really in the right place? How do I get to be fruitful? I know lots of Christians who feel like what they do is really not that important. They feel like anyone could do. Matter of fact, I have to say most Christians over the years have made comments at some point or other to me. When you congratulate them or you thank them, they shrug their shoulders like, well, anybody could do this. I believe that no matter what our inadequacies are, no matter our weaknesses are, no matter what our circumstances are, I believe that if you're a believer, you're in the right place. You're in the right time and you're just where God wants you to be in Jesus' name. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is out of the message version. It says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of our love for God has been worked into something good. God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of His Son. The Son, that's Jesus, stands first in the line of humanity that He restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. After God made that decision of what His children should be like, He followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. I love this verse, these verses. It says he decided right from the very beginning what it was going to look like. He said, this is how your life's going to be. And then after deciding what the end would be, he goes back to the beginning and begins by calling you. Then he establishes you. And then he promises you, I'm going to complete everything I've started in you. Come on, somebody needs to hear today that God's going to finish what he began. He's not going to leave it half done. I'll never forget seeing a house uh, that I travelled past many times where somebody began to build it and then I suspect ran out of money because all there was was the stumps of the house and the foundation of the house and the frame of the house. It never got to even get a roof on it. It always just looked like that and year after year, we drive past that thing and watched it slowly degrade. But I want you to know today that what God started in you, 
He is going to finish. He's going to complete it. He's not walking away from the job half done. He's not saying, oh, well, at least I tried. But God is going to finish what He began in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, I think the Lord deserves a hand for that. He's going to do what He said He would do. You and I are a part of a great plan of God. And the good news is that He's in charge and He is at work and He knows what He's doing. Thank God it's not all up to me. Amen. Is that about the rest of you? I would have perished a long time ago. I would have quit. I, was, I heard someone uh, say just in the last week that when you feel like throwing in the towel, remember that Jesus picked up the towel. Oh, I thought that thought stayed in my head all week. When you feel like throwing in the towel, remember you're following a Saviour who picked up the towel and used it to wash the feet of others. What a magnificent thing. We are in the hand of God. We're in the middle of it. I know around the world right now, people are losing their confidence. People are, are finding their world being shaken. But I want you to know from the Word of God that what He started, He will complete gloriously. Not even just there enough to live in. He says, what I start, it's going to look amazing when it's finished in Jesus' name. What a beautiful thing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 tells us about a moment in time when Christ, the baby that came into the life of Mary and Joseph and then got raised. And that beautiful baby then that became at the age of 30 launched into his ministry, raised up the army of disciples Went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. But then was hanging on a cross alongside common criminals. And everybody laughed and thought this is it. The disciples were dismayed and they were, were so shell-shocked by it all that Peter, the one who leapt out of the boat to go to Jesus, he said, I'm going to go back fishing. This didn't work. I'm going to go back to my former life. I don't know what else to do. Everything I believed for seems to have evaporated in front of my very eyes. So now let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So the suffering Christ with the five wounds in his body, the one mocked and spat on, the one derided and laughed at, the one where the Pharisees rubbed their hands with glee going, this one now, that's the end of this thing. That's the end of this thing. This, this whole plan, ha ha, it's all done. They put him in a tomb and they guard him with soldiers so nobody could ever start a rumour that he rose or something because he said he would, you know. And so they put the, the soldiers there but no soldiers match for an angel of God 
who comes down and they fall about like they are in a coma. And the stone, so heavy, no one person could have rolled it away, rolls away by itself. When they come in, not only the, the body's not there, but it says specifically that the head wrapping was folded like a napkin and put at the end of where he lay. Oh, this wasn't done in haste. Wasn't someone stealing a body and got to get out quick before anyone can see. Now, it's not like that. This took time. And the body disappears. He gets seen of his disciples. And then in front of 500 people, not down in a corner somewhere, not, not some insignificant moment, 500 people watch Jesus bodily ascend into heaven until he disappeared out of their sight. And now, now, now he sits Now he sits on a throne, far above principalities and powers, far above might and dominion. Now he sits as the king, the king over all kings. Now he sits, the Bible says, from henceforth expecting till his enemies, he made his footstool. Not about you, but I don't sit until I finished whatever it was I'd started. I don't sit and go, oh, too bad. I've got, a, I've got a confession. I have a completion bias. I like to finish things. I like to do a job and then you go and sit. And why did Jesus, why do we find he's seated? It's because his last words were on the cross when I've started something. His last words on the cross were what? It. Is it's finished. Everything you would need, everything I would need, all that would be required for this great thing called the church of Jesus Christ, his body that we are fitly joined into. Everything that would be needed, he goes, it's finished. So I'm seated. I'm sitting there. You go, wow. That alone is so incredible. But let me read on. Because believe it or not, it gets better. You go, how could it get better? How could it be possible? Listen to the next chapter of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 6. Not only is he raised up and seated, it says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Who about you? But when I get there, if they just gave me a chair, a dinky little kid's chair, and I just get to look at Jesus, I reckon I'd become, wow. I don't know about you, I think I just can thank God I made it. Amen? There's a few moments I wasn't so sure. Sometimes I thought I might get there quicker than what he planned. And if they just give me a dinky little chair, I reckon I'd sit in heaven, just look at Jesus. It's cold, wow. You know, every prayer was worth it. You know, every time I struggled, every time somebody else fell away and 
I, I, I felt bad about it. I'm just so glad I kept on going. I'm just so glad I put one foot after another and kept going. I'm here. Before I get is this dinky little chair way out in the dark. Well, it won't be any dark there. But if all I got was that, that'd be good. Or, you know, maybe, maybe he might say, come closer, Jeff. Come closer. And I go, talk about celebrity spotting. You know, how cool would that be? I almost touched him. I was so close. No, no, really. I was, I got in a lift with him. You ever been in a lift with somebody really famous? Huh? Have you? I have. Got in a lift and they're looking at me like, who are you? And I'm looking at them like, I'm me. And I know who you are, even if you don't know who I am. Wow. That would be so good. But Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 doesn't say, and he seated us in the crowd. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 says this, And he has seated us together. <laughs> he seated us together with him. But not just me. How big is the throne of God? That's how big the throne of God is. It's big enough for you. And he doesn't just say, come up here, you poor, sniveling little worm. You sinner. He gives us a crown. I want you to think about this for a minute. Because if you're the devil... You look up here and you go, I thought that was Nikki, but she's on the throne. She's wearing a crown. It sounds like Nikki, but it looks like Jesus. It sounds like Michael, but it looks like Jesus. It sounds like Carl but it looks like Jesus and they're on the throne. And can you imagine how the devil feels? I reckon regret is what fills the heart of Satan. I put him on the cross. I never knew he'd rise from the dead. I didn't realize he'd sit on a throne and hand out crowns to everybody else and say, there's room for you on my throne. But you know, so many Christians live like they're over in the little dinky chair, over in the dark, and no one notices and no one sees. And Jesus says, come on up. Come on up. Come on up. There's a seat for you. Come on up. There's a seat. I've got a crown with your name on it. Come on. He's raised us up, seated us together with him. The greatest secret in the world 
is who believers really are. The greatest secret in the world is who you really are. Amen. We're not fitly joined together like, I'd rather be a little thing climbing up than a big thing coming down. I'd rather be poor with a humble heart than rich and lose my crown. We used to sing that stupid song. Not here in this church. But when I was a kid in Sunday school, we sang dumb songs like that. No one ever sang, I'd rather be a big thing going up than anything coming down. I'd rather be rich with a humble heart than any kind of poor you can think of. Huh? I've had one vision in my whole life, really, apart from the one of Rhonda. Hey, listen, I've got to atone for the last two weeks. So just bear with me, man. I've only ever truly had one vision that I'd say that was an open vision where it was like a movie in front of me that I was watching. And I saw this person dressed in rags walking in the gutter of a cobblestone street and I knew it was humanity and the weird thing was that on this person's head there was a crown. I never forgot it because so many times we walk in the gutter like that's where we belong. We act like we're no one, we're nobody and he says, I've seated you with me. Amen. I've seated you with me. So what is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you're unsure of? What level of inadequacy do you think can take you off the throne? What mistake that you've made? What failure in your life is sufficient to remove the crown that Jesus put on your head? I'd say to you, there isn't one. Amen. We could sit here for a long time, huh? This is kind of, this coffee, huh? Yeah. Well done. Luke, Luke, I thought it was Jesus with the beard. It was like, wow. <laughs> Feel free to keep the crowns, by the way. Wear them all day to day, would you? <laughs> you? Can you take this? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. We'll wheel you down the street. You know? <laughs> Give a big hand to Luke and Nikki. Thank you. To the enemy, the reality is that you just look like Jesus. Unless you open your mouth and say something that just sounds like the old you, he has no idea who it is. The king is in charge. But let me give you just one more picture quickly. Because I think so many of us, when we talk about fitly joined and then we go to the throne, we go, woohoo! Life is going to be so easy from now on. Let me show you a picture of someone who was fitly joined. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, that's the Greeks, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And then the 12, that's the 12 apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, You know what? This isn't really our job. It's not up to us to go and and leave the word of God and serve the tables. It wasn't that they against serving. They go, we think a better use of our time is something else. Therefore, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the word of and ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. 
And out of everybody, out of the tens of thousands of people, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip Procurus, and the Canaanites, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the disciples. And when they had, had prayed, they laid hands on them. And I reckon all these seven men went home that day going, Wah! I finally got the place that I'm meant to be. Talk about fiddly joined. I know what my destiny is. I have a destiny that I know I shall fulfill. Started that too low. I have a destiny in that city on a hill, wherever Michael Battersby is. And we think, I've been to EFM and the prophetic team have prophesied. And now I know, and I'm good, man, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm in the zone. All the people have voted for him. They've said, you've got it. Everybody can see the hand of God is on you, Philip. The apostles go, yep, yep, amen to that. We see you've got it. I'm finally in the perfect will of God for my life. Now I can be fruitful. That's Act 6. Act 8. Now at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And this guy who's finally in his sweet spot, this guy who's finally in the place that he's meant to be, all of a sudden there's no Grecian widows to serve and there's no kitchen making the food. Now he's a refugee. Now he's in another place, another country somewhere that he doesn't want to be. It's Samaria, for goodness sake. And the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. He's in the worst. Listen to me, because some of you are in a place you didn't want to be, a place that you said, I'll never go, somewhere I'll never end up, but you're there. And you go, what happened to the will of God? How come I was in this great place? God, it was going so well. What caught you by surprise? Well, a great persecution, pressure. Verse 4, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They didn't go, but no, you don't understand. I can only do things for God when I'm in the zone in my gift. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And this guy whose job has been to go around with a napkin and a, and a, a food uh, serviette and platter and give to these people who were complainers and give them their food. This guy now standing up preaching going, oh, no one told me to do this. But see, he stays productive when he's under pressure. And that's got to be one of the great things that hallmarks a great believer. It's not, well, I, I'm good when things are good, but when things are tough. I go into the bomb shelter of God, there to hide. But you know, he flourishes at that. Can I say to you, some of you have no idea you might flourish somewhere under pressure that you never thought you'd ever be any good at. Don't 
don't limit God to what you think you're good at because maybe God has just got a surprise in store. Maybe he'll use you in ways. Some of you here that go, I'm not extroverted. I couldn't speak to anybody. Maybe that's the very thing God will use you in. Maybe he'll just get you to do stuff you never imagined. Well, this is going now so well. Watch this. Because he's gone from, I'm in my gift. Everybody approved of me. They voted for me. The apostles amen it. And I'm right in my zone. Now I'm doing stuff I never imagined. And you go, how long does that last? Not very long. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then it says this. This is desert. Leave the crowd. God, like, what are you up to in my life? Just when I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and it's going so well. And he says, go down to the desert. And I've looked this up. There's a couple of roads meet. And he's standing on the corner in the middle of the desert and there's no shops. There's no houses. And there's nothing but the intersection of two empty roads. And he stands there going, what is this about? How many people know the feeling of, God, what on earth is this about? Or am I the only person in the building? Amen. You know what I'm saying? God, what is this about? Like, hello? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. I'll just, yeah, I'll, look, it's just me. And I'll preach this for me because I need it. And uh, rest of you here know you all got it. You, you're totally in the trust zone and you've got it all happening. And I'm the only one who ever goes, God, what on, do you, hello? Ah, uh, what the? And he's standing there for a little while and then a chariot stuck, one chariot. It's not like a cavalcade. It's not like a, the Easter parade or something or other. Just one guy. And the Holy Spirit says, go up and join yourself to him. He goes, I don't even know him. He says, too bad. You will in a minute. <laughs> Turns out it's an Ethiopian eunuch. Queen Candace of the Ethiopians, one of the most powerful women of history, is who this guy is the right-hand man to. And he leads him to Christ. I've said it before. Go and look it up under Wikipedia. Ethiopia is today the most Christian country on planet Earth. 86% of Ethiopians claim to be Christian. Because one man said, God, I'm fitly joined to you. I'm not fitly joined to a role. I'm fitly joined to the will of God for my life. Whatever it looks like, wherever it takes me, I've just said yes to you. And if that means serving, whinging, complaining people, I'll do it for Jesus. But a lot of it means standing up in front of a crowd and being celebrated. The whole city knew. I'll do that. But God, if you want me to go to a desert, stand there in this place and wait for the one, I'll wait for the one. Let me finish by saying this. Fruitfulness is not a location or a title. It's the outworking of our obedience to God. 
All God asks you to be, listen to me. All God asks you to be is obedient, nothing else. He's not asking you to make it happen, energize it, cause it, start it. He says, will you be obedient? Secondly, fruitfulness is not the result of the pressure to produce. So many Christians feel like they're always just not quite there. They're not spiritual enough, godly enough, prayerful enough, reading the word enough. But fruitfulness is not the result of pressure to produce. It's the result of the Holy Spirit working through me. Lastly, let me say this. God makes miracles out of what we think is a mess. That's what happened to Philip. The mess of persecution turns into revival in Samaria. Going down to a desert looks like the stupidest thing. And where are you going? Philip, we need you here. Where are you going? He goes, no, God told me to go. And he goes and stands in the middle of the desert with nobody there. And it looks like such a mess. And God says, watch what I'll do. with. Come on, watch what I'll do with your mess. I hear the Holy Spirit saying to people that are a part of this service, watch what I'll do with your mess. Come on, if, if obedience to God has got you into a difficult place, if obedience to God means right now you're under pressure, let's believe that God will make a miracle out of that mess. You can trust. We sang the song. We're going to sing it again in a minute. You can trust God's goodness. You can trust God's faithfulness. If he leads you, come on, if he leads you, Oh, come on, if he leads you there. Fruitfulness is his thing. The God who made a garden called Eden where everything flourished, the God who says in heaven there's fruit trees that bear fruit all the time. They never stop bearing. They never lose their leaves. They never stop. Psalm 92, that says those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They'll be fruitful even in their old age. When everyone else is tapering off, you're just getting going. This morning, we're going to share communion together. And so before we do that, and before the host team come to begin the service, and then the team are going to sing, we've already shared it together prior to the service. We do this every time. We get with all the team that are serving in uh, the tech areas and whatever, and we share communion together. It's a beautiful thing. And... So we're going to do that with you in a minute. But some of you here have never surrendered your life to Christ. Some of you that are a part of the service in the building, in front of me, you know you're kind of, you're kind of sitting over there in the corner and still checking Jesus out. Today's a great day to hear Jesus say, would you come and sit with me? Today's a great day for you to say, I'm going to let him transform my life. You say, oh, I've got all these questions. I go, I've still got them. Don't ever let questions stop you from pursuing truth. Let Jesus come into your life. Come on, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for people that are a part of this service and maybe some of them will have just clicked on to right now. They've just tuned in. Just right now enough to hear someone say to them, if you'll give your life to Jesus, he'll transform you. You'll find what you're meant to be doing in life. Your whole life will change. You'll be in the will of God, not just in the struggle of your own effort. 
So Father, I pray for every single person that's going to say yes to you today. It's a small step, but it's an important, it's an amazing one. Thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. With the host team, please come and begin to serve everyone. Take the cup and the bread. And then when everyone's been served, we're going to stand and we'll eat and drink together as the family of God that we are. Thank you. But just while they're doing that, if you're saying yes to Christ today, if you're in the building, well, you can still do all these ways or you can go to the Connect Hub and someone will pray with you and talk with you there. Or you can send simply the word yes, Y-E-S, to the number. It's up there on the screen for you, 488 If you're in Australia, that's what you can do. Or you can email us, yes.metrochurch.org.au. Wherever you are around the world, that'll work. If you're on metrochurch.online, the yes button is up there right now for you. Just tap on it. Say, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. And then the day after you do that, we'll send you a Bible verse different every day, a prayer different every day for 30 days. Fits on one screen of your smartphone. Comes from us here at Metro. Doesn't come from a third party anywhere. We don't harvest your data. I wouldn't even know how to do it. Wouldn't want to. We'll never write and ask you for money, ever. What we will do is we will help you to grow to know Jesus. We'll help you to be in the will of God for your life. It'd be our joy to do that. Because, you know, He'll sit you on the throne. And the good thing is, you, it's not like you've got to be 20 years a Christian. How long have you been a Christian? Four or five years. Four or five years. It's not like He says, when you get to 10, you can sit on the throne. Day one. You can sit in the throne. I'm going to give you a crown, but I don't know anything yet. It doesn't matter. You're mine. The team is still serving everyone, so we're going to sing together a song. Thank you, Tessie. All the crew, come on. God, you've been so faithful. Come on, let's let it ring from our heart. Come on. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my sleep And I will sing Of the goodness of God mm. I love you Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. 
There's a verse that John says, Jesus spoke of his death, which he should accomplish. I never heard anybody ever say, I finally made it. I died. I was working so hard. He accomplished it. Why? Because they couldn't take it off him. He lay it down. This is my body. It's broken for you. Take and eat all of it in remembrance of me. And then it says, in like manner, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant. My blood's an agreement. It's a covenant. You're not an aimless, wandering believer. You're a covenant follower. A covenant child who sits on the throne with a crown on their head because of this. Father, we thank you today. Lord, help us to live like kings and priests and not like beggars, like people that are hoping for a crumb. We hold in our hands, Lord, this proof of your faithfulness. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All my life you have been faithful. Come on, let's eat and drink together. In Jesus' name. Oh, the goodness of God. of God. Come on. Come on, sing it one more time. Let the devil know you're on the throne of Jesus. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the week to come. Thank you, Lord, that we're seated with you. Because not only is your work complete, but you declare ours to be completed as well. So we walk, Lord, with rest and confidence into our tomorrow in Jesus' name. Thank you for each other. Amen.